If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas, 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you could respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. This interview is not about religious views. This is about our constitutional rights as Americans and how the government decided to take every right away from the people who died on April 19, 1993 in Waco, Texas. The purpose of this interview is to give a voice to the people who the media has kept voiceless for so long. This story is their story and is now being told by the members of their congregation and community to set the record straight. So I invite you to please listen and watch with an open heart and an open mind to the true story of what happened that day in Waco, Texas. Like my father often said, evil happens when good men do nothing. Viewer discretion is advised. The FBI is found in the wrong. They sue the FBI. They win. It's a it's an insanely controversial topic. But if you look at the FBI, two of the successes. I mean, there was guys who got awards from the FBI on that mission. Like even the, though it was proven that they were in even, the wrong. Yeah, even though it's proven they were in the wrong. Like Waco is a good example of it as well. Like Waco is a good example of it as well. Like Waco is a good example of it as well. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, there's a, there's a, 
breakdown between organizations and the government and their powers that be, and and likely a cascade, a tipping point of mistakes that cascaded into the catastrophe that it was. But that's the problem. I mean, we're seeing those things now. Like, what I do with my business in a free society is none of your f***ing business. This spring marks the 30th anniversary of the deadly assault by federal agents on the Branch Davidian religious sect near Waco, Texas, which killed 82 people, including 23 children and four federal agents. Our guest, writer Jeff Gwynn, has written a new detailed account of the confrontation, as well as the events that led to it and its legacy as an inspiration to militant anti-government groups. Gwynn relied in part on interviews with federal agents who were critical of the planning of the operation, but were prevented from speaking with reporters for years after the assault. Gwen's book is Waco, David Koresh, The Branch Davidians, and A Legacy of Rage. You know, I thought we should hear a little bit of the voice of David Koresh, and what we're going to hear is a scratchy recording that was made by Koresh during this 51-day standoff that would follow the initial gun battle with the ATF, and he's going to talk about you know, his own situation. He mentions a Robert Gonzalez. That's his name for an ATF agent who posed as a neighbor and who had gone to Mount Carmel several times and had talked with Koresh to try and gather information. Koresh knew he was an ATF agent and nonetheless spoke to him. Um, So let's listen. This is David Koresh um, during the standoff. I'm the kind of guy that I'll stand in front of a tank. You can run over me. But I'll be biting one of the tracks. No one's going to hurt me or my family. That's, 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 that's American policy here. You could have arrested me any day as I jog up and down this road. You could have arrested me going to town or going to Walmart. The two agents across the street over here, uh, Robert Gonzalez, I love the guy. I was honest with him. I brought him into my home. You know, he wanted to tour around a place. I promised him a tour. He could have talked to any of these guys around here, anybody. He was free to come and go as he chose. God speaks to me. I have a message to present. You may not believe that. And that is David Koresh inside of his compound in Waco while he was surrounded by federal agents. We should note that David Koresh, he was wounded in the battle, right, Jeff Gwynn? had a was hit on his side and he had chipped a bone in his, his hip and then also in his thumb and, and fingers. So he was not... not comfortable here. He, he makes an interesting point here. Um, why didn't they arrest him outside the compound? Would, would there not have been an easier way to do this? ATF could have and should have arrested David Koresh outside the compound. They bungled it completely. He left the compound frequently. This never should have happened. He should have been arrested away from the property. Painful to think about. So what happens after the the gun battle where the ATF uh, has agents who were killed and wounded is the FBI comes in and takes over. This is obviously a disaster so far. And they back off, establish a perimeter around the property, established phone communication with Mount Carmel, and begin negotiations with David Koresh. This lasts for 51 days. Um, How does it go? It doesn't go well. From the beginning, the FBI, just as had been the case with ATF, did not understand what the Branch Davidians believed and didn't think it was important anyway. The Branch Davidians didn't care what the FBI said about breaking laws, things you can't do, because they thought they were doing what God wanted and the FBI didn't count. 
There were several false starts. The FBI lead agents decided that Koresh was simply lying about everything and just wanted to drag out the siege because he loved the attention. Inside Mount Carmel, David's followers were waiting for something to happen. He had promised them that they were going to be translated into great glory. Nothing was happening. Nobody trusted the other side until finally, towards the end, David said that if he would be allowed to write out his explanation of the seven seals of the book of Revelation and get those out to religious leaders in the country, he and his followers would come out. That was his promise. The FBI didn't believe him and decided something had to be done to end the siege. Right. Well, I guess he claimed he had finished the first of the writing of the first of the seals and it was going to take longer. Um, And so they decided things had to be done. Patriots look back at what happened here and they say that government used too much force. That was not right. They were murdered. So everybody kind of started being awakened then. Now look at what's going on. Biden and Schumer were at the congressional hearing saying that the Branch Davidians killed themselves and burned themselves up. Can you believe that? Did you really say that? Yes. David Koresh and the Davidians set fire to themselves and committed suicide. Government did not do that. Let me begin by saying that I believe with all my heart that we should have hearings on the incident at Waco. We definitely want the next Koresh apprehended, then punished, making law enforcement the villain and David Koresh, the lawbreaker, the victim. David Koresh was a dangerous, sick man, preached violence, and led his followers into a horrible suicide. I mean, he looked at me and he said, yes, I know. I came to bring judgment. I said, you came on to take on the judgment. And he says, well, somebody's got to fulfill this prophecy for God. It might as well be me. And his people, he had them ready for what was coming. Now, the government had to have a good reason for them to come and slaughter these people, Mm -hmm. right? Well, it was trying to hide their crimes against humanity because David Koresh, there's a snippet in Waco, A New Revelation, where David Koresh says to these people from Australia, there was a documentary team that was here, and they asked him, why do you have guns on the property? You know, a church property, why do you have guns? He says, it makes no difference whether we have guns on this property or not. It's our Second Amendment rights. And the United States is one of the greatest countries in the world. It has liberty and justice for all, not for religion, you know, not for some, but for everybody. And he says, he rhymes off a couple of lines of a song he wrote. This having guns is for the little children. God knows how it should be. Stars and stripes are flying, bringing justice and liberty. And then he looks straight in the camera and he says, for the children's sake, you may have to take up a gun in the future. Well, what do you think's going on right now with the deep state? The White Hats are taking up their guns. The Army are taking up their guns. The Patriots are going after these pedophiles worldwide, not just in the United States, but worldwide. So David Koresh, I believe that was a prophetic utterance that he made. Mm -hmm. But he was willing to die for the children's sake. 
And that's why I wrote the book. Can you get me one of the books? It's on the uh, flag behind me, but I want you to. It's signed? Yep. Jeremiah, I want you to have this book, but this is the book, okay? I call it Waco, A New Revelation for the children's sake. Why the deep state massacred David Koresh. This is why they did it, because for the children's sake, because he was standing up for the children. He wouldn't let his own children and his wives, I'm not condoning, you know, his sin, but God had to judge him as an apostate, because that's what the prophecy says. He's an apostate claiming to be God. Well, that's an apostasy and it's blasphemy. And he had to commit that sin for God to judge him according to the prophecy. So he committed sin. Yes, he was a sinner, but God used him as a sinner. Remember, Christ took on sin and he used him to die in our stead so that we don't have to die eternally. But he died for us. You see? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that David Koresh was Jesus Christ. No, but he understood the mind and heart of God to the point where he was willing to sacrifice himself and his people for God to be obedient. And God says, I don't want sacrifice. I want obedience. But he was willing to sacrifice himself to be obedient because that's what God asked him to do. Now, after I said that to him, I gave him, told him about the prophecy. He put his arm around my neck, turned around to the elders, looked them in the eye, and he said, this brother's teaching truth. You better believe him. So he was admitting to them that he wasn't God. He was just a man and that he was going to be judged of God. But they didn't want to believe that because in their minds and hearts, they thought he's our Messiah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the chapter of the Antichrist coming and the whole world wondering after him, God says, if you don't have a love for the truth when, I, when God gives it to you, God himself will give you a strong delusion to believe a lie so he can damn you or judge you. So from that day forward, because they didn't want to believe the truth that even David Koresh said mm -hmm. it was truth, Ellen White, they believed that she was their prophet, Seventh-day Adventist prophet, prophetess, okay? And they didn't want to believe her either. They didn't want to believe me. After David Koresh says he's teaching truth, God gave David Koresh a strong delusion that he was the Lamb of Revelation 5 and 6 so that they would believe their own lie and he could judge them. And this is how he judged them because this was a judgment. It, of God and God wanted to show that judgment begins at the house of God. It began with God's own son, you know, 2000 years ago, he judged his own son for us in our stead. You have guns? Yeah, we have some. Well, can we see that? Is that okay? Well, I guess if you want, <laughs> you know, now it makes nobody's business whether we have a gun or not at this place. Guns are the right of Americans to have. You know, it's bringing up guns in, in, in a situation like this is something that can be, you know how people think. So David Koresh was willing to die like God's son died for us 
so that you and I would understand what the heck was going on with this pedophilia, the deep state, 30 years ago, not what we're finding out now. It's coming out now. Oh yeah, the reawakening. Yeah, we're being awakened now. Now a word from our sponsor. Now personally, I've tried every CBD product on the market to help me manage my pain. I have degenerative disc disease and nothing has ever helped me until I tried JJ's Natural CBD Rub. So when I found out that we had the opportunity to work together, I was so excited that I could share this amazing product with you guys here on Skiba News Nation. So if you want to manage your pain like I did, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive $50 off a three-pack special. Also, check out all the testimonials on their website, jjcbdrub.com. Get pain relief like I did by getting yourself some JJ's Natural CBD Rub today. Check out more info down in the description below. Um, you know, it's interesting that as you described this, you had a negotiating team for the FBI that wanted to you know, had a lot of experience with hostage negotiations. They had to consider the kids as hostage. I mean, they, they wanted to not harm the children, but in, in this situation. Um, but then there was a tactical operation of the FBI people who had a different approach. They thought, you want to put pressure. What did they do while, while some were trying to negotiate? Others, I gather, without really communicating with each other, were uh, taking steps to intimidate um, the folks in, in, in Mount Carmel. It's pretty intimidating when the FBI brings in all kinds of military vehicles, including tanks, to surround a building. The people inside are not going to feel safe and secure. It was the negotiator's job to keep everything calm. It was the tactical team's job to make sure the Branch Davidians understood the FBI could end this at any time if they really wanted to. There was tension, and eventually the tactical team won out. Weeks before the actual end of the siege, the FBI was already putting together a plan to insert CS gas gradually into Mount Carmel. In small doses, it wasn't supposed to be flammable, and it wasn't supposed to really be too physically affecting beyond irritation to eyes and skin. And it would be enough if inserted gradually so the Branch Davidians will come out. Ultimately, that was the plan that was approved by the Attorney General of the United States, Janet Reno. CS gas, this is a variant of what we think of as tear gas? Yes. Right. And so they want to get enough CS gas in to drive everyone out, um, but getting it in is not so easy. It's a big, sprawling compound. How are they going to deliver the gas? The plan was that you would be able to fire the canisters in through the flimsy walls and windows of Mount Carmel, and you could put arms on the end of tanks and kind of drive the tanks up close and then fire in all the canisters. These canisters were about the size of Coke cans, if that would give you a better sort of image of, of what's going to be flying through the air. I was told by the FBI's lead negotiator, Byron Sage, that the FBI did get permission to gradually insert the gas, but that his agency actually had a plan A and plan B. Plan A was over two days they'd insert a little gas at a time until the Branch Davidians gave up. Plan B was if the Branch Davidians fired at the tanks and agents, 
as they approached Mount Carmel, they would simply put in all the gas at once and force everyone out. It was a windy, cold day. The canisters first went in. The FBI claimed that there was gunfire from Mount Carmel. Surviving Branch Davidians swear that never happened. But for whatever happened, all the canisters went in and gradually swirling clouds of CS gas began to spread throughout the building. The only heat the Branch Davidians had came from Coleman lanterns, you know, with oil that had to have little flames. Within a few hours, somehow, the gas ignited. It was inevitable it would. There was such an accumulation of it. And the building went up like a book of matches. The fire was almost instantaneous. The flames rose in the air. Of the Branch Davidians left inside, only nine escaped with their lives. No one else came out. Everyone else died in, in just a flaming hell. It's almost indescribable how horrible it was in there. How did David Koresh die? David Koresh's body was discovered in Mount Carmel alongside the charred body of an, one of his lead followers, a man named Stephen Schneider. Koresh had been shot in the head, and then Schneider had killed himself, the autopsy showed. Uh, he had put his gun in his mouth and fired a bullet. Apparently, it was an agreed-on uh, suicide. And this was taken as proof that some of the Davidians decided they would kill themselves. This wasn't suicide in their minds. They were simply taking the step to translate themselves up to God before the agony of the fire would have consumed them. Nine Branch Davidians did escape mm -hmm. uh, with their lives. Did any of the children escape? No. I know. It, it, one other interesting detail that's interesting to me is that, and Charles can explain this, but between the date that he actually stood in the church in 1984 yeah. and gave that prophecy to David and the other congregation members, the time period between that and the 51st day, right when the fire started, was exactly nine years to the day and to the hour. Even when he ended the sermon, pastor ended the sermon, it was 1210, exactly nine years later, it was 1210 when the fire started. So I think that was significant. And nine is the number of judgment in scripture. That's why it's Ezekiel nine, the Ezekiel nine slaughter. And that's what this was, Ezekiel nine. And Ellen White, Victor Hodda, Ben Roden, you know, the spiritual leaders in the branch movement, taught about that Ezekiel 9 slaughter. And David Koresh knew that he was going to be slaughtered, but he was willing to go through it. And so were the people with him. To make a point? No, to fulfill God's will. Not to just make a point, but to fulfill God's will. See, they knew in their heart of hearts that they were being sacrificed mm. so that we would see that. Patriots look back at what happened here and they say that government used too much force that was not right they were murdered so everybody kind of started being awakened then mm -hmm. now look at now look at what's going on in 1993 americans watched breathlessly february 28 1993 agents from the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms arrived at the mount carmel compound armed with search warrants for the property and an arrest warrant for koresh 
Gunfire erupted at the end of the two-hour standoff. Four ATF agents and six Branch Davidians were dead. The FBI intervened. Nearly 900 members of law enforcement descended on the compound, including Texas Rangers, Army personnel, and National Guardsmen. For weeks, FBI negotiators bargained with Koresh, bringing in supplies and allowing him to sermonize on the radio in a bid to get him to surrender. Agents then tried hardball tactics. They turned off the electricity, blasted loud music, and flashed harsh spotlights into the compound's windows. That didn't work either. After a 51-day standoff, Attorney General Janet Reno gave the FBI the green light to raid Mount Carmel. On April 19, 1993, tanks rolled in and punched holes in its walls and deposited nearly 400 canisters of tear gas inside the building. Several hours later, a fire broke out. This far out of the country without fire hydrants, you have to haul all of your water. It's just a very bad scenario here at this point. Winds fanned the flames and reduced the entire property to ash within an hour. Around 80 Branch Davidians died, including David Koresh and 25 children. While most died from fire and smoke inhalation, two members were found with fatal bullet wounds to the head. Patriots look back at what happened here and they say that government used too much force. That was not right. They were murdered. So everybody kind of started being awakened then. Mm -hmm. now, look at, now look at what's going on. Biden and Schumer were at the congressional hearing saying that the Branch Davidians killed themselves and burned themselves up. Can you believe that? Did he really say that? Yes. David Koresh and the Davidians set fire to themselves and committed suicide. The government did not do that. Let me begin by saying that I believe with all my heart that we should have hearings on the incident at Waco. We're going to talk about the deaths of scores of men and women, including four ATF agents. We definitely want the next Koresh apprehended, then punished. It is unfair for us today to look at what law enforcement did at Waco in a vacuum. And it is unfair to twist the facts, making law enforcement the villain and David Koresh the lawbreaker, the victim. That is like saying right is wrong and night is day. Let us be very clear. David Koresh was a dangerous, sick man, preached violence, and led his followers into a horrible suicide. David Koresh was not a peaceful cleric in an ivy-covered cha ivy chapel or even an eccentric with strange religious views. David Koresh was an armed fanatic who was excoriated in his hometown newspaper in a series they entitled, quote, The Sinful Messiah. You can see Biden saying that and Schumer saying that. At the hearings at the time. It was at the Why hearings. How dare they? Like, well, they did it because they're, they're liars. They were trying to, you know, protect their own crime against right. humanity, their own, you know, their own butt. And, and Biden recently appointed to the head of the ATF an agent that had been here. It didn't go through, but he tried to appoint him. Yeah, and he was very hateful against right. the Ranch Davidians. Joe okay. Biden's pick for the ATF director is a slap in the face of gun-owning Americans. Let me introduce you to David Chipman. Since the beginning of his career in government, David Chipman has been violating the rights of law-abiding citizens working as a special agent for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, also known as the ATF. In fact, Chipman was a part 
of the Waco and Ruby Ridge sieges that left dozens dead and showed the nation that the ATF cared more about their agenda than the lives of innocent women and children. After 25 years with the government, um, certainly I've seen frustrations in that service, but I can tell you this with certainty. When the American government has been determined on an issue, there have been changes that have made this com com uh, country safer. What was the government so afraid of? The, the things that you were talking about earlier? The, the... No, that David Koresh was going to expose their crimes yeah. against humanity. Because he found the pictures and the tapes of them yeah. having a human trafficking network. So he here. kind of had a one up on them. Yes. And they were threatened. And so yes, they, they took killed action. him. They didn't want him to they didn't want him to go out into the judicial system because this would have been yeah. brought up. I'll tell you something else. Everybody would have yes. to testify. Right. Exactly, but listen right. to this. The sheriff, the local sheriff, who was a friend of David Koresh, mm -hmm. and he told him, you need to get rid of that evidence yourself then. If I can't take it, get rid of it yourself, because he knew that they were coming for him. So he was subpoenaed to be a character witness for David Koresh at the criminal trial in San Antonio. Two weeks before the trial, he ends up dying suspiciously of a heart attack. Just like the man that was going to interpret at the trial the FLIR tape, he died of a heart attack. And his partner died of a car crash. They didn't want any of this information out. It's starting to sound like the Clinton list. Clinton. Yeah, well, Clinton had to, to that's who, who was yeah, here. Yeah, binoculars and stuff. Yeah, the whole thing. Wow. So it's all connected. It's all connected. This is connecting a lot of dots in my mind. Yes, it's all connected. And I'll tell you what else is connected. George Bush Jr., when he was president, used to fly here to Waco. So lots of people out here this afternoon. Right now they are driving the stairway up to the side of the plane so that President Putin can come down founded on a commitment to the values of democracy. Uh, President Putin is a private person, but it doesn't seem that way. He's out here talking to the crowd and addressing them. We don't know what they're saying. These helicopters will actually taxi down the runway and take off. These are rather large helicopters. President Bush um, uses helicopters like this to fly back and forth. just down in the valley here, the TSTC airport. Now it's about a mile and a half away from the ranch next door. Mm -hmm. And um, the Methodist Boys Ranch, which is next door to it. And I believe he used to come here because this is where the human trafficking was and this is where he was getting his you know, sexual 
slaves. Mm -hmm. Let me put it that way. I understand that his father at his funeral, his father was actually arrested and he was tried by a, by a military tribunal for crimes against humanity, helping assassinate John F. Kennedy and um, his human trafficking networking. Do you remember watching the funeral at all on YouTube? George Bush Sr.? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing bits and pieces of it. It was very weird. Yeah, but do, you remember, do you remember seeing Donald Trump and Melania Trump come walking down the aisle? Mm -hmm. Handing out envelopes. Those yeah. were subpoenas for crimes against humanity. The Obamas got it. The Bushes got All the Bushes got it. And I was told in that envelope was a letter from George Bush Sr. saying they know everything because he confessed. He had to confess. He basically told them, you know, the jig is up, they know everything. The Clintons, the Obamas, the Bushes, the Pences, and others. But, you know, they're, they're gonna pay for their crimes. Those people too, it's been known they have a, a, a policy of having doubles. Yes. Yeah, because that actors, way, actors. Right. Now they can do deep fakes and right. stuff. Oh right. my gosh, it's so scary. Sure. I made a deep fake compilation of me and my co-hosts. Right. And it looked so real. Like they can, they can frame people now with charges. And it's amazing and scary at the same time what they can do with technology. Right. And you know, now, now you don't need as good of a double, right? Right. So. so, you know, the devil is the father of lies. So anything that's fake comes from the devil. And he's the father of not only lies, he's the father of liars. Because that's how he spreads it around. And all this deep state stuff, it's all lies. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be tried and executed. And we're going to need to be ready for this because it's going to be so shocking. But it has to happen. Anybody. He was free to come and go as he chose. 
And I do not appreciate it, and never will I ever appreciate somebody coming here with two helicopters and cattle, cattle trailers and all that, and uh, pushing people around with guns. Hey, I'll meet you at the doorstep any day, you know, and somebody will get hurt. If you want to keep playing that game, I'm talking to you. Somebody's going to get hurt. Because this ain't America anymore when the ATF has that kind of power to come into anybody's home and kick doors down and things like that. Now, I, I heard, I, I do understand, someone reminded me of this, I do understand that one of y'all says his gun went off on accident. And that, you know, that was just like a signal and all that, you know. But look, besides the point, ATF, you boys are wrong. Your practices, your habits, yeah. Drug dealers, fine. You know, but even there's always a question. If there's any question whatsoever, the kids or women are involved, damn you, I tell you what, you keep your damn gun in your holster. You see a couple of big, brave, invincible kind of men, you let them knock on the door. If they're so damn involved to where they can risk their lives for the name of the law, then send them up, bulletproof, put them in some kind of uh, night armor or whatever, and let them knock on the door and ask the questions first. But no one's going to expect me, when they come busting in on my door with guns drawn and pointed in the air, and someone fired me, that I'm going to lay down and die for anybody. This just ain't going to happen in this country. God speaks to me. I have a message to present. You may not believe that. If you don't believe that, then believe this. Irrespective of God speaking to me. You see this here? Hey, this is my family. It may not be like your family. You know, it may not be like your family. This one here, you know, he's my family too, right, Joseph? Yeah. Tell him, tell him, you know. Look at that camera and tell him what you think about it. Who's treated you good? Mm -hmm. You know? Do you mind that son? Huh? Do you love Joseph? Your best buddy? Yeah. Yeah. You too, Damon? No. So, you know, you guys, you guys, you have it. You do it your way, I do it my way. You got to argue with me, you catch me on the side of the road somewhere, you come and argue with me. You come pointing guns in the direction of my wife and my kids, damn it, I'll, I'll meet you at the door any time. And I'm sorry some of you guys got shot. But, uh, hey, God will have to sort that out, won't he? So we're going to send this tape out now. And I've, I'm leaking in the back here. i got to get this taken care of. And uh, I'm hoping to get stronger. Maybe we can send more tapes. And this you know, during the 51-day standoff, after the gun battle with ATF agents and before the FBI launched the raid that ended this. This was a huge national news story. And this, of course, this all happened about a year after the Ruby Ridge standoff in Idaho, uh, where, um, you know, there were, there were deaths at the hands of federal agents and would become a, a seminal event in the minds of anti-government activists. Did, did anti-government activists show up at Waco uh, to make, make a point about what was going on? During the siege, you had basically three categories of civilians crowding around trying to see what was happening. There were just the usual gawkers who were out for a show. Then there was a group of people who were very pro-government agencies. 
and four federal agents had been killed, and these were people who were screaming for the religious nuts to come out or die, one of the two. But maybe the, the most vocal group, the most obvious group, were people who saw in Waco the same things they had suspected in earlier Ruby Ridge about six months before, that the United States government was systematically trying to murder or at least repress gun-owning, law-abiding citizens who had never done anything to hurt anybody else. Uh, there were a lot of militants selling anti-government T-shirts and bumper stickers. One of them, and we have a picture of this in the book, was a guy named Timothy McVeigh, who two years later would blow up the federal building in Oklahoma City in protest of, of what happened in Waco. It was here that Waco became ground zero for future militancy, and Waco would become to the conspiracy-minded a great symbol of the evil of American government. You know, the assault, it's obviously a disaster if 23 children are killed. And, you know, one of the things that feeds conspiracies is when government agencies give explanations that then begin to fall apart and they lose credibility. Tell us what the government's initial explanation of what happened was and um, how that held up over time. If we ever want proof that trying to cover up small things when mistakes have been made is the worst thing you can possibly do, just look at Mount Carmel and Waco. In the aftermath of the terrible fire, the FBI stated that they simply had done what had been agreed upon with the attorney general, gradually inserting CS gas. It was all non-flammable, and that attorney general Reno had agreed to it. They lied in that early that morning, they had used some combustible military rounds to insert gas, as well as the non-combustible rounds that they had promised the attorney general. But these military rounds never actually broke into flames. The fire started hours after those rounds were fired. But when the FBI got caught lying about that, then, of course, it made it easy for conspiracists to say they're lying about everything. That was the first small step. Then you'd have to look at the whole negotiation process. Uh, one of the lead agents for the FBI actually said, well, it really wasn't a negotiation, which gave the impression he meant that, no, we weren't going to let the Branch Davidians talk about their religion when that had nothing to do with the situation. But what it was taken to mean was that we intended to kill them all along. These things caught public attention, and once that happened and stories kept coming out in the media, more and more it seemed, there must have been lying throughout. This had to be the intention of the government to go in there and kill those people. What I would like to see is Donald Trump unclassifying all the information here because it was classified by Bill Clinton for 25 years, and then when Obama came in, he classified it for another 25 years. Right. Why? Because these guys are the pedophiles, right? right? They didn't want that. it to come out. Now, Donald Trump, I hope, will unclassify it, 
And if we want to know what really happened here, all we probably have to do is ask Epstein. Because Epstein had to know what was going on here. If he was not a part of it, he knew what was going on here. Because they were providing him with women and children to sell around the world. Sounds like okay. the same operation almost. Yes. So. so if Epstein got out of you know jail because Trump wanted him to talk and tell him who, who these pedophiles were that went to his island and all, well then he must know what happened here. And I would like this to be exposed and the truth come out so that these people can be exonerated and they can actually be reimbursed and compensated for all the damages to their families and their loved ones and all the property here. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, Please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform.